uh, I want I, I want people to know when my anger comes, it's because it's it's, it's very serious. Well, yeah, I mean you. There's a lot of water metaphor. I mean, you can use water me- metaphors for anything, but I've, there's a lot of water <laughs> metaphors. That, do everybody know that listening to the podcast? <laughs> that might be an episode. Water metaphors. We'll do it. No oh small gosh. thing. We could water try. metaphors. I'm the whole episode. Forward to it. No, but there's there's <laughs> never heard that phrase before. You can use water metaphors for anything. <laughs> this is too much. No, I I would live a life where I heard that sentence. Oh gosh. <laughs> Um, so here he comes with the water metaphor. Here I come with some <laughs> a classic cliche water classic. metaphor. I've been, I've been hearing water metaphors all day. I'm sick of these things. Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less cynical and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Macy. And we are back. We are back, the two of us. The two of us. Um, welcome everybody to episode number 45. Oh, I didn't even know. Oh yeah, it is a drum roll episode. It is 100% a hundred percent a drum roll Here episode. <laughs> Enneagram nines. Enneagram nines. Oh, we finally made it. Yeah. If you clicked on it, you already knew, but we still like acting like there's some buildup to the announcement. Yeah. We like <laughs> creating some buildup for you listeners by pounding on the table and, and calling it And it shows where we're at about this. Although, uh, yeah, that's interesting to say that sometimes we don't do a drum roll. Yeah. What does that say about those episodes? Uh, it's, it's okay to have some low-key conversations sometimes. It is no small thing, but we're, we're still bringing uh, an energy that's just a little bit more casual sometimes. That's probably true. But the Enneagram, especially since we started our podcast, we had we had a hope. First of all, we had a hope that we would continue the podcast. We had no mm-hmm. idea. No idea. Almost a year now. And then I'm we had a hope it. that we would do all nine types. And it's a little bit like Sufjan Stevens, if anybody knows Sufjan Stevens, that he wanted to do an album for every country. Or no, oh. every state in the country. Wow. Very ambitious thing. It's very now, ambitious. Now, we didn't, we didn't say we were going to do 50 episodes on Enneagram, but saying we're going to do nine, like it's it was feasible that we could have done five and then given up. Yeah, and so we created we a nice structure to mm-hmm. help us, which is mm-hmm. every time there's an episode that has a five or a zero, it's an Enneagram episode. So here we are at 45. We've made it to nine. Nines. The crown of the Enneagram. It seems fitting to do nines last. Mm-hmm. Um. So we're going to talk a little bit about nines, and we have a nine guest this week. His name is Daniel Kais. He's a great, great friend of ours. A great pal who, guys, he really brought some good nine wisdom yes. to the table. Yeah, if you want to hear from a nine that knows about being a nine and can say it in a way that sounds so helpful and real <laughs> and talk in metaphors that sound so true to the type, get ready. <laughs> get ready. Or if you even, if you, I, okay, my wife is a nine. And mm-hmm. sometimes we listen to my nine mom podcasts. is a nine. Yep, not nines here. <laughs> Janet, Grandma Janet, Marissa, my wife. We know a lot of other nines, but like it is so. It seems like when you listen to an Enneagram episode podcast episode with the person that you're in relationship with, mm-hmm. it's very cathartic and helpful. And the people typically feel very seen. Yeah. Sometimes in some cringy ways. Sometimes in some really sweet ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think a little yeah. bit of both. Another but. thing I just want to say about this episode, everybody, is we get into a very funny and strange <laughs> conversation about water metaphors. I hope that... We, we get a little bit of the giggles. Yeah, I hope that <laughs> piques your interest because 
it's it's very interesting. It's very water funny metaphors. water metaphors, and then it's very beautiful. Yeah, this yeah. water metaphor, water several. metaphor. There's several. Though. There's several. Yeah, uh, and uh, I do uh, nines. If you don't know who nines are, everybody, we're gonna talk a little bit. We'll about talk nines. a little bit about them. Should I? What should I say now? <laughs> <laughs> so nines are. I, water makes sense to me because nines are calm, chill, cool like kind people. Kind of stagnant water, not like a raging river. I guess that's true. A lake. I a think of an ocean. Lake. I think of an ocean, but oceans it's just so big and raging. Big and raging, but also I think of like a mountain lake. Oh, a sweet little mountain lake. Quiet, peaceful, serene, still. See, we're already on yeah. water metaphors. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Did you? Wow. Okay, so <laughs> nines are called the peacemakers, generally. Yeah. Mediators. And mediators. They sit at what is called the crown of the Enneagram. And these are people who have a deep need and need to connect with others and feel connected to the world. And they fear disconnection. Disconnection with people, but probably anything. Anything. Disconnection with uh, nature, disconnection with animals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't want to feel disconnected. No, they want to feel whole, mm-hmm. unified, one with it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, nines are wonderfully, wonderfully flexible, wonderfully go with the flow. Yeah. They accepting, accepting of other people. Gosh. Empathetic. Yeah. They see both sides. Yeah. Nines are, they've said that nines is kind of like the culmination of all the eight numbers because they can understand each number and accept each number and see from a different perspective. It's almost, I've heard nines is like the personality of no personality because they're Uh, always living into other people's personalities. Now that can be a little misleading in the sense that they bring the personality Oh but yeah, it just may not be their purely true theirs. Yeah. personality, their yeah. true self. Um, yeah, nines. Oh, I <laughs> love nines. Now let's laugh about nines for a second. Let's what laugh. I mean, what I mean about that is like my <laughs> wife's a nine. So I mean, I've probably been on the Enneagram journey for maybe a year and a half. You know, a pretty intense journey, um, in the sense that like I, I I think about it a lot, not and just because of this podcast. Seeking yeah. consciousness and catching yourself yeah. and holding yourself accountable. Yes. And then my family does it a lot, too. Uh, so um, my wife is a nine, and this is the funny thing about nines, and I think this may be cathartic for people to hear if you have either if you either are a nine or tried to talk to nines about the Enneagram, is, is like my wife was the hardest mm-hmm. to find her number. Mm-hmm. And it was like uh, she'd read a two. She'd be like, that's me. Three, that's me. Five, that's me. Seven, I think that's me. One, that's me. And it's like, oh, what? Who are you? Who are you? Please. <laughs> and there and there were times on this long journey where we would we would as a whole family think for a, for a good three or four weeks she's a three. Yeah. And then we'd be like, no, we'd learn some new things about three. That's not true. I think she's a nine again. We'd go back to nine <laughs> and then be like, oh, now now we get it. We she's a seven. And be like, no, <laughs> no, not a seven. No, not a seven. Oh, I think she might be a two actually. I think look at listen to this. It's a two. Oh yeah, sexual two. Uh, that's it. <laughs> sexual two. Uh, oh, two wing three. That's that describes it. That describes the three vibes we're picking up. It's like, no, no, she's a nine. 
<laughs> and she would be like, yeah, I guess, I guess that does sound like me. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I could see that. <laughs> it's so like, gosh. Infuriating. <sighs> they are, I think the hardest to type or it, I've heard it takes the longest to type yeah. nines usually. And I think so that's I think if you're listening reason. and you haven't, and you, I guess, okay, here's another thing. Listening to Amy Grant on typology. Oh yeah. She's a person that has advocated for the Enneagram for years. She's got books on the Enneagram. She gives books on Enneagram. She talks to people on Enneagram and she still doesn't know her type. Yeah. And this which, whole episode was I think it was finding. a full sign that she was an I. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess if you're having a hard time finding your type and you find yourself identifying with many numbers. Yeah. Uh, Take a hard look at the nine. Good indicator that you're yeah, running. yeah, and maybe Ooh, hopefully, man. hopefully, it's if you're still discovering your type or learning about your type, that this episode gets at the heart of this mm-hmm. type, and that you would feel known and heard, or if you're in relationship or no nines, that it would ring true. Daniel was really everything he was saying. I was like, oh yeah, this is this is like exactly how you read about nines and how I experience the nines in my life because I have my mom and my best friend. A lot of nine people. A lot of nines. I love nines. I think nines are a good balance for probably both of our numbers. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are. They are. I mean, to a certain extent now, again, we've talked about this and this gets mentioned in this episode for some reason, just the way fate has had it is we have a lot of interns from our church on this <laughs> podcast for our Enneagram episode. So Daniel is the current intern. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of balancing out, Daniel and I don't balance each other out very well for work for work we're both quietly in our rooms all day <laughs> not not finding a ton of inner motivation yeah uh, but, but but i mean we we balance each, we don't balance we get each other and we work well together i just want to say that about daniel like we appreciate and understand each other both very well mm-hmm. and we we allow each other to have a lot of space yeah but uh another one of us are coming in and being like there's not much initiative between a five and a nine yeah no no Mm-mm. So that's yeah, I think of a in terms of balancing for like me as a four. So like a a strong aspect of being a four is like temp- being temperamental and being moody and sometimes indulging and getting lost in emotions. And nines have a really great way of accepting that. But also nines are I think they balance on that nines aren't quite as indulgent. Nines literally are kind of suppressing all their emotions. And it's mm-hmm. it's a it's something I can learn from. Like mm. I can learn from the nine's ability to like not need to make something that you're experiencing go the extreme, oh, but yeah. rather like maybe tone it down and like chill it out. Like let's that's, just do there's a lot of for another me to learn. Water metaphor. Oh, let's <laughs> do it. If if the if nines are the serene lake, I mean maybe 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 uh Seattle spring weather is is a four. Just oh, up and down. Is. What are we it, doing, it Seattle? Rainy, oh. cloudy. Next minute, sun. Next minute, rain. It's a lot. It's a lot. Next minute, forty-five degree weather with maybe snow. Next day, seventy-five shorts. <laughs> what? Maybe snow. What are we doing, <laughs> Seattle? Never know what to wear. Ugh. Never know what to feel. Like it. It just shifts my mood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nines probably can balance. Maybe four, fours, and fives, and maybe all types, uh, a little less judgment. Mm-hmm. Nines are just so accepting. Like a lot of the posture I see in a lot of like the illustrations of nines depict somebody standing with open, open arms. arms. Yeah, open yeah. arms and a smile. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Whereas, well, I have this book, this Claudio Naranjo book that has these old 
janky sketches, but they're so profound. And uh, I think in this in these sketches, the five to me looks like the six should, but hmm. um, whatever. I, I think there is some truth to what the five is, but the five is really truly cowering. Yeah. And, and hiding. The four is on their knees screaming up at the sky and crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the nine is just at the top with this nice open stance. Welcome. Yeah. Smile. Come on in. Yeah. And that's definitely my wife for sure. And it's been an interesting thing thinking over the years to think how those balance each other because to a certain extent, our natural temperament squelches the other's gifts sometimes and we've had mm. to learn how to negotiate that because if oh, you just think about literal physical space at our house and marissa's i mean literally and metaphorically standing on our porch being like come on in yeah and i'm like no nobody come in <laughs> nobody ever don't don't think this is a welcoming house you know you have to ask you have to plan in advance and i think marissa <laughs> would just be like so come on in i am here what whenever wherever and she also doesn't have She's self-preservation blind. Yeah. So she so would she, she would welcome someone at one in the morning, despite having no sleep. She's like, "Come on in, win anytime. Yes. That's what do wild. we? What do you need from me? I can all my money here. All my money. <laughs> <laughs> the self-preservation. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, that I think that is an interesting balance. I mean, we all need to learn from each number. She just said it today. I, 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 we're gonna have uh, dinner with a friend and. I said, well, I want to cancel. Macy and I just did a youth sleepover last night. Like, we were, <laughs> we were in the trenches of youth ministry <laughs> and we're tired. And I was just like, let's, let's cancel. Not in a mean way. Love this person. And we're going to eventually get together. But you could tell Marissa was like, I, she could not in good conscience cancel, cancel with this person. Like she knows this person is relying on us and looking forward to being with us. And we're looking forward to it too. But um, just that's her nine mentality. Yeah. Oh, Gotta love them. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love them. Okay, so... I will say this one final thing about Marissa. Someday we have to have Marissa, my wife. I know. On. She was singing this weekend and wasn't available. If anybody's confused about and that... And I think, okay... Why isn't Scott having his wife on? Well, she's busy. And I also think that it's a nine energy. Getting a nine on a podcast, I think, is kind of a harder thing. Like, I was... Oh. we were. Oh, I was going to ask oh. my mom to do a small thing, and before I could even ask, she was like, I don't want to be on the podcast. Marissa um, was a little bit more nine-like than your mom. Like, just being... She's like, well, if you want me. <laughs> and I was like, could, do you want us to maybe do it Saturday morning? She's like, I don't know if that's what you want. And I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think we do want to record Thursday, but, <laughs> you know, it was... I'll say this is for nines, um, at least from my perspective, and I guess obviously this is circumstantial, but I'll just say how it's playing out in my life yeah. currently. I'm so, I could not, could not be more grateful that my kids have a nine mom. Hmm. Just the most accepting and sweet and kind and there for them and it really balances out. Like I like to think that I have good moments as a dad, but I'm very inconsistent. Mm -hmm. I'm very, my kids said it, they are there here in the house, very moody, very inconsistent, very um, temperamental, uh, very, if I get into my five zone, I get very stubborn and um, condescending. Mm -hmm. um, and Marissa is just always balancing that out with like a sweetness, you know, and yeah, it's really nice. That's yeah. That's not the same. Nice. Marissa's not, I mean, it's just not perfect, but it's a, it's a good energy for a mom. 
I'm sure every number can be a good mom. You know, I'm just saying I, oh. I appreciate that I have that to balance me out. Two five parents. I mean, it would be. Oh, two five parents. What a s- disaster. I mean, there's probably you can five make it work. I'm sure. But, it work for yeah. sure. But yeah, it's it doesn't like you don't naturally think, oh, yeah, that's going to be yeah. some. Although who's to say that might be. Mm, that's <laughs> that going to come out in this episode, be, too. <laughs> That might be kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure any number, any combination can work if they're being intentional and, you know, yeah. Doing the work. The best thing you can do as a parent, everybody, is know yourself and do this kind of work. Yeah. Before anything else. Is it appropriate to say anything over the years about, like, how you discovered your mom was a nine or you and your mom? Oh. Are you you allowed to talk about Janet? (laughs) I think so. I mean, I just think... When I started studying the Enneagram, it made so much sense that my dad was an eight and my mom was a nine. Yeah. Like my mom does so much for so many people. Mm. She is the host of so many gatherings. Very similar to Marissa when yeah. I think about that. And like so supportive and like on board with what my dad's doing. And my dad being an eight is so aggressive and has plans and has ideas mm. and like really that's actually probably a great oh i think so to attach to oh i think so too and i think especially like as i like we get older and life goes on it's fun to see my mom like because i think my mom probably growing and learning in the enneagram and just a lot of life circumstances um seeing a nine when they like come to themselves Mm -hmm. is really like beautiful and special um, but I think my parents, they were a good balance of an eight and nine energy. And it's very funny how my dad, when he listened to the eight episode, was like, oh, I had so many things I wanted to say and add and like very <laughs> aggressive. And I think my mom would just look at it. it well, who's to say? Yes. But I have that a feeling a that a nine viewing this episode wouldn't be quite as aggressive as my dad would be she didn't want to be on this i saw like mm. their contrasting withdrawn stance withdrawn stance versus assertive stance just yeah. in that um yeah but yeah no my mom has always been so caring <clears throat> to so many people yeah and open and she has friends from all different places and i know that she's a person that people come to to like that she'll listen to them that's so sweet yeah Nines. The nines are so nines, great. Nines, I think, make for really good listeners. Oh yes, probably the best. Yeah. Um, that's one. Of the, that's one of the classic things. I don't know why. I, I this is how it's happened. But there's been so many times since I've been married, almost 18 years now, where my wife Marissa and we live in Seattle, so maybe this is why it doesn't happen a lot. But like, there'll be times where she gets to talking with someone and gets completely sunburned, like second degree <laughs> burns, because she's so engrossed in the conversation that she forgets that she's her body's being burned. Yeah. <laughs> which maybe speaks to nineness, maybe speaks to instinctual variance, which y'all, this is the end of our one through nine. And mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what's coming next for our Enneagram journeys, but it's going to be, I think we're going to stick to Enneagram every five episodes. We yeah, just don't know what it's going to, what it's like. going to be. So we would love to talk about things such as stances, instinctual variance, maybe wings, maybe get some cool guests on here. Yep. We have lots of ideas. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, okay. okay, man, we I could, get I could to this go episode. off on nines for a little bit longer, but we really should just get Daniel up here. Yeah, um, we've got Daniel. Really. Oh, you want to say nice. anything more about Daniel? This is a really great episode, guys. Daniel, he's great. He's, yeah. he's a musician. He is an intern at the church. He studies classics at the UW. He studies. Uh, he knows Greek, Greek really well, and like Roman culture yeah. and like Greek 
like very soft spoken, deliberative, very nice to listen to, very intentional. You'll hear the we didn't say this, but this is a fun note that we are Scott, Daniel, and I are four fives and nines, but we are all in terms of Myers Briggs, which. Oh, yeah. I barely know Myers-Briggs, but we are all INFPs. All three of us are INFPs. And we didn't really bring that up, but that would have been kind of fun to yeah. bring up. But oh, well. So isn't that interesting? Three INFPs. We don't know what Reuven is, but I'm sure he's in that same zone. <laughs> so even Reuven is on this one. If you look oh, at yeah, our Instagram. Oh, yeah, there's Reuvenation, everybody. Yeah, there's Reuvenation. And if you look at our Instagram, we posted a picture of the three of us being withdrawn, <laughs> doing our thing, sketching, reading, and playing the guitar. So. And Reuven's reading opera. Yeah, yeah, he's reading an <laughs> opera book. Okay. Yeah, so I think you're going to like this episode, everyone. We um, hope so. It's, a, it's an episode about nines. We're proud of this one. Nines, we really hope you feel heard and honored. Mm-hmm. And we, we do, do you justice. We try to. And, and Daniel, too. Thanks to Daniel. Yeah, seriously. Okay, everyone. Enjoy the episode. Talk close to the microphone. So close. Daniel. You should know so better close. than anybody. I know. I know better. <laughs> I do know better than everybody. You do know better than everybody. We're in the building, in my house. In the house. Week. The uh, home. Typically, we're in Macy's house. Tonight, we're in my house. Daniel is here, mm-hmm. and he has uh, his little mini journal booklet with an enneagram drawing and some notes. And he's using a gray mic cover. His choice. Oh, we we gave him the choice to choose any color, and he chose gray. Which is interesting. What does that say about nines? Me? I don't know. Nines tell us. What does that mean? <laughs> Who knows? Okay, so I think we'll just jump right into the journey. We always start with a journey here on No Small Thing. Well, maybe not always, but we usually start with a journey. <laughs> Typically. Typically start with a journey. I, I'd say most times. Yeah, even I think if we're, most times. Even if we're talking about a musician, we like. My journey. When did you find out about the Enneagram? And then what were the early signs of you thinking you're a nine? Because I thought you were five at the, in the beginning, remember? Yeah, I do. Well, and you're resolute. When you uh, when you told me that you thought I was a five, that was already probably a good six months into my Enneagram mm, journey. You already knew. Um, but you know, in typical nine fashion, I was very open to the you idea were. of it. I was like, well, maybe. You know, <laughs> it could, it, who's to say? Who knows? Um, no, but I guess to start at the beginning, my story is probably similar to other Enneagram stories told on this podcast. Uh, just because I'm also an edge intern. <laughs> oh yeah, so many church. interns. Yeah, um, so interns most of most of our Enneagram episodes have been interviews with people who have been an intern. Katie, intern. Matthew, not my intern, but he's been an intern. An intern at the church. I was an intern. Um, who else? Rebecca. McKaylee was an intern. McKaylee was an intern. Lots so of interns. All the interns. Very interesting. And Daniel, here he is. Yep. Which yeah. shows Current the diverse intern. array of personalities that we've had as interns. I guess mm, so. You know? <laughs> yeah. Props. Um, Props yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I used to hang out in the office a lot before I was really on staff in the youth program just because I was a, a student at UW. Uh, I studied ancient Greek and Latin. Um, and so I would just be in the office kind of translating my Greek texts or whatever. And uh, presently, Talk of this enneagram came up. Actually, Matthew Lauder was the first person to bring it up to me. Matthew Lauder, our one from uh, enneagram one, enneagram one yeah. episode, Go back all the way back. Um, but he was like, 
was like, Daniel, do you know about the Enneagram? I said, no. He said, well, you might be a nine or a two or something. I said, oh, well, that sounds great. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what cool. that means. Um, <laughs> Thumbs up. And then it was about six months later that you guys started talking about it a lot more and I started learning more. I started my journey with an online quiz, which now, you know, I, I try not to live with regrets, but I do kind of wish that I'd done the work to, like, read through. Mm-hmm. We're not judging online quizzes, but we don't recommend them. No, yeah. and, and I don't judge them either. I think that they're a good starting point. But just as the person that I am, I like kind of doing the work mm-hmm. a, and stuff, whether it's, like, reading a book or um, learning an idea. I don't want to, like, just go online and, like, find the easy way to do it. I want to really invest my time in it so that it kind of feels like I've really grasped it. Um, well, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And, and yep. so, and so anyway, all that to say <laughs> the test kind of led me t- towards nine and I, it started to really resonate, especially, uh, indecisiveness. That's a huge trait of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, uh, nines are already being like, yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. <laughs> Difficulty with, um, inertia. The Ooh. idea that, like, mm-hmm. if you're going, you can keep going. But if you stop, stopping is difficult and getting started again is very difficult for me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just little things like that really started to j- jump out at me as I was reading. Um, and, th- I mean, the first thing that was just, it was so affirming to hear Ooh. that there's about a ninth of people out there, I would imagine. About a ninth. <laughs> I know. I wonder what the stats I are. I know. I know. We could never know. We could I know. Never know. <laughs> I want to so bad. The demographics that you see out <laughs> there, I've heard, are pretty skewed just because they were taken in, like, early Jesuit societies where, oh. like... <laughs> so he's already bringing some information. <laughs> where, where, like, people were very, like, uh, puritanical or ideological, and so you had... Lo- people thought that sixes... Were, oh yeah, were one of the biggest demographics. Which I don't think it's actually true. Which is just because lots of sixes were going to Jesuit churches <laughs> that appeals to <laughs> sixes. Um, but anyway, so it was it was affirming to know that there's like a bunch of millions of people out there that have mm. the same experience of like the world just is such a a tiring place to exist in, hmm. um, and well. I'm I'm constantly fighting this kind of discomfort and. Uh, trying to stop my own inertia, trying to stop myself from slowing down and to just keep going and hmm. to fight discomfort. Yeah, that was that was really nice to know that other mm. people share that struggle. Mm. One of the things you brought up is the idea of, like, energy. And nines are known as having the lowest energy. Wow. How How do you relate to that? Man. Because I know you do. <laughs> I do. I so do. <laughs> Everything takes so much energy for me. Um, mm. And I, I don't, like... Yeah, thing, especially things like email. <laughs> email, just to Ooh. dive right into it, email just makes Ooh. no sense to me. Ooh. Um, and it just takes Preach. A, a huge <laughs> sum of effort to like get myself to check email hmm. um, or to do things that I don't see as furthering like comfort and love in society. Things like taxes <laughs> and, and like this is not furthering paying attention to insurance. Like these are just <laughs> things to make people more money in my head. Mm. Um, mm. And so I'm just like, we don't need this. We can be relational. We can just, and, and that's, that's another part of the nine is just idealizing society because there are plenty of super intelligent people out there that would say like, no insurance is like actually helps people well, that, well, that well, are disadvantaged. You're engaged to one of those folks indeed uh, yeah oh yeah in case you don't know McKaylee who is episode 30 uh yep this, I need room six. six yeah she's a my great fiance. balance balancing each other out out here folks 
Kaylee just said she filed her taxes in January. And I did oh it my on gosh. literally the last day. I yeah. literally sent it in the mail on the day of. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, energy. You know, I, I heard it described once, you know, um, nines are within like the the body triad, the anger triad. Yeah. Um, and so you have the ones who are kind of suppressing all the stuff inside them and they're they're really trying to suppress their anger and their desires to, to get stuff done and to be good. And then you have eights on the other side that are kind of, the world is like a potential to betray them. And so they're constantly fighting to not let the world get its the upper hand over them. Um, and in some respects, I see the nine as kind of doing both. Like I, yeah. I, as a nine, I try to maintain the sense of inner peace and um, calm in my mind. And at the same time, I'm fighting against all the things in the actual world that are also requesting mm. my attention. And so it, it kind of leads to this divided, you can't win sort of a, a position. Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah. A quick side note. Uh, we were all, well, Macy wasn't. We were all, many of us in this room were on a Mexico mission trip. And and I have a cough and McKaylee has a cough. <laughs> I don't think Daniel has a cough. But in the background, you're going to be hearing some coughs. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. It's reality. We're, we're humans. people. It's part we're of the we are people. This is the Enneagram. Yeah. We're people, everybody. Uh, also, what I was going to say is I do wonder what activates a nine. Like what brings the energy forth? That's a good question. Bring, well, you know, it's interesting you just mentioned our Mexico mission trip because, um, I mean, if you're new to the Enneagram, I don't want to get too complex, but this is a pretty basic idea that that in, like, times of vantage, or sometimes people say growth, you guys can jump in with other good words for this. But I think integration is another inti- one. Integration. I like vantage point, I think though. you're doing a good job. I don't, I don't feel inclined to jump in. Um, <laughs> nines kind of go to this place of, of three, where they take on qualities of the three, and um, I really saw that this week, and we took 99 kids, and more than a dozen adults down to Tijuana, Mexico. And 99 we built, kids, everybody. We Just built nine houses. It was a phenomenal <laughs> undertaking. It was. Um, and I, I led musical worship uh, with my guitar most mornings and some nights. Um, I was up front. I kind of had to have this persona. And it, I wouldn't call it a persona. I think it's a part of my personality. But it, it, of like kind of perform, not performing even, but just being someone who can kind of lead people and bring people together, rally people, inspire people. And that's something that I think really, if I can help people to see the beauty and love and joy that is in life all around them, I think that's something that will get me activated. And, and I'll be willing to slog through a lot of what I see as pointless logistics and pointless other things to get to that point and be able to make that happen for people. Hmm. Um, And especially like on this trip, we had kids who were really starting to love themselves and to see themselves as part of a community, a community that allowed them to be loved. Um, And that is one of the most gratifying things for me is, is people waking up and being able to love themselves. Hmm. Ooh, I, I bet the nines out there are here for this. Here for this. But it is interesting. <laughs> it makes me think of how many performers out there may be nines in disguise. Nines in disguise. Yeah, because yeah. Daniel does bring out another persona when he's leading worship, and it's a very mm. energetic, passionate, yeah, um, loud, boisterous, energetic persona. Yeah, I was reading somewhere, I don't know where, that nines, like you don't find nines in leadership positions very often, but mm. I... I wonder if that's true or, I mean, 
Because I think when you basic like you look how, at how the, do we find out that information? How I know. Do we need to poll everybody. Uh, when I you really want the poll. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where's the poll? <laughs> um, when you like read about nines, they're they're not like assertive types. They're not yeah. take charge leading personalities. But I think that they really do have that ability to to enter that space mm-hmm. um, and to move towards that. Now, I will say for fun. <laughs> and this is just for fun. Well, well, we talk about passive aggressiveness at nines. Oh. Over the years. The most passive aggressive? I mean, yeah, I think so. Over the years, in this worship through music setting, it, it can at times trigger a little passive aggressiveness in Daniel. Ooh. In the sense that if people aren't being quiet, oh, yeah. he'll just get a little <laughs> snarky. <laughs> Sometimes. And he knows it. He knows it. And uh, typically he has some other methods and tools he'll use to, to get people <laughs> to, to settle, settle the down. people. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it'll come out. Well, it's funny because it, it <laughs> is passive. get really sarcastic and passive aggressive. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's kind of funny because it's it's passive aggressive, but it's also, like, incredibly sincere. Totally. It's 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 to the point where, like, and it is, if you're not someone who goes to church or doesn't really, isn't familiar with the worship scene, then just... I do this in other realms, but if someone's being unreasonable and is like, you came for a purpose to this, whatever it is, this party, this worship night, whatever, and you're not here doing that thing. Yeah. I'm just going to really get down on your level and ask you like, seriously, like, why are you here? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. That's what, what's, what's that's the, just the, um, and straight up calm, but, it, but, truth. but, you know, I, I think, you know, anger is the thing that's kind of, deep down in me and I I think I'm pretty out of touch with it but sometimes in those moments it can well up and I think I'm beginning to learn how to use that in a really constructive way hmm. um, well, well let's talk about anger then how does it come up um, well like for example there's there are a couple times I think one time I've actually gotten like angry and had an outburst I don't know if I've ever seen I want it what, what yeah. happened gosh I think it was like um, we work closely with Daniel we've seen him in lots of different contexts trying circumstances high schoolers mm-hmm. yeah not respecting us not going to bed <laughs> uh, lack of sleep lack of healthy food hmm. bad circumstances for us <laughs> good in the sense that we're doing good work but like trying testing yeah um, harsh. Mm-hmm. Harsh conditions, <laughs> and I and I haven't seen it. I haven't seen you lose your you, cool. You you forgot it. You were oh. talking. I think it was on the way. We were. It was one night at the youth group, um, and you were trying to give a talk, and I was really interested in what you were saying. And they just, you know, oh. everyone. Scott is very good at um, getting them quieted down. He'll kind of he just kind of continues to talk and oh, will say little yeah. phrases that kind of get them to, to listen. I think nice. he's quite a natural at it. Um, but <laughs> on this one night, phrase. they weren't taking any of the bait. They just mm. were kept talking mm. and kept talking. <laughs> and, you know, on one respect, I was so grateful that they had the space to just talk with each other and, and, um, and enjoy each other. Um, in another sense, I thought it was probably healthy for them to have a space where they could like push back against authority and yeah. have it. I represent authority, everybody. Well, this but, nine but, seeing all the perspectives. No, that's yeah, such yeah, yeah. a nine thing. <laughs> but like, I thought it was good. Like, like their parents would probably reprimand them, but this is good that like they know that they can push back and they'll still be loved and accepted. That's wow. good. Yeah. But then also, there's this voice in me that was like, Scott is trying to like. Oh, I kind of remember. Give this. them something, and so I just kind of like. Raise my voice, and I—I I don't know <laughs> how my voice comes across. But voice. I can really get my voice loud if I you if can. I need to. And I was just like, guys, cut it out. Scott is trying to 
tell you something that he obviously cares about and it, just out of <laughs> decent respect you should yeah, I do remember this and you were kind him. of yelling but I do think it's funny to think back to like the few times in our eight episode where Rebecca talked about times where she yelled yeah. and got angry yeah. and in the moment I felt intimidated and scared and nervous hmm. in her just telling me about it. Right. When Daniel's telling me about this, I'm like, oh, that's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not scared of Daniel right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, and, and that's the thing. I think, Scott, you know me well enough to know kind of the things that are going on and like behind yeah. that anger. Um, but I do find that because I'm so typically calm and, and placid that um, when I do let it out, it has a quite a large splash just because people mm. are like, Oh, here comes Daniel with like, it's almost like an, Oh crap moment. Like hmm. we made Daniel angry. It's not like a, Oh, we made him angry. Let's go. Classic it's, Daniel. It's, it's like, Oh crap. We got a Daniel. Something mad. happened. Yeah. Um, hmm. And so Snapped. I've been trying to like use that to good effect. If, if that is the effect that I can have on people, I want to Ooh. use that as much as I can. So like not take advantage of oh, that. Oh, 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 uh, Oh, that's Oh, that's interesting. Never heard that before. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Why is that interesting? <laughs> I've always heard of it. I've always heard that that's sort of something like nines, and I'm not pushing back because mm. I'm very intrigued by this. Nines should get more in touch with their anger and let it flow more naturally. Well, but you're kind of saying it's almost like a relational life hack. Like uh, I want to. I, I want people to know when my anger comes, it's because it's it's, it's very serious. Well, yeah. I mean, you. There's a lot of water metaphor. I mean, you can use water me- metaphors for anything, but I've, there's a lot of water <laughs> metaphors. That, does anybody know that listening to the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that might be an episode. Water metaphors. We'll do it. No oh small gosh. thing. We could water try. metaphors. The whole episode. Forward to it. <laughs> no, but th- there's there's <laughs> never heard that phrase before. You can use water <laughs> metaphors for anything. <laughs> this is too much. No, I I would live a life where I heard that sentence. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, so here he comes with the water metaphor. Here I come with some. <laughs> These classic cliche so water metaphors. I've, I've been hearing water metaphors all day. I'm sick of these things. Maybe, <laughs> I, you know, I think I make some certain things into cliches in my mind that <laughs> just are not cliches, but I'm tired of I'm like, Daniel, you always tell, I don't even talk to people about these water things. Metaphors, They're just in Daniel, my head. Stupid Daniel, <laughs> water metaphors. Ah! <laughs> Pull it together, Daniel. <laughs> What is happening? So, all right. Well, use your. Let's talk okay, your water okay. metaphor. Here, here, my. Hear ye, hear ye. My water <laughs> metaphor. Here comes everyone. Um, oh, yeah, people. I've I've heard some people say that like um, going back to the inertia idea. Like if if a nine gets too overwhelmed, here's here's the thing. Nines just kind of freeze, or at least I talk tend, your microphone. I tend to freeze. Um, <laughs> this is good stuff. Uh, yeah. If I'm overwhelmed by too many decisions, or just life is there are too many things for me to consider or understand and I don't know what to do. I kind of just freeze up and numb out and I'll kind of, we can return to that in a little bit, but, um, yeah. So people will say that like, if, if the nine is kind of like the source of water or the power of water, they can kind of dam themselves up. Um, Mm. and, and all this water just kind of becomes stagnant. Um, all this potential water power. And, and then if, a nine can Ooh, kind of oh, oh, center oh, oh. themselves and be in control of their fears and anger and impulses. It's like a, a river that just kind of sweeps it. sweeps them along wow. and sweeps everything else along with them. Um, this is a good water metaphor. And so that's like a really inspiring <laughs> thing for me is that like I do have all this great potential and so often I stop myself up and mm. I'm, I'm like, I can't do anything. Why should I even 
have the audacity to assume that I can do something in this situation. Um, Ooh, major and, nine vibes. And so, and it's just that whole thing of allowing myself to be and to be the river that I am. Hmm. Um, good words. And, and I, th- I think it's a good river. I think it's a, a river with good loving intentions. And so Aww. it is, it is. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't exactly remember where that started. Um, it started uh, at the dam. At the dam. Source. Yeah. It started with a water metaphor. Yeah. Now, water let me metaphor. just say this. I'm going to come at, straight to you with a water metaphor. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I heard a good water metaphor for nines. And have dueling crazy? water metaphors? <laughs> really? You think yes. your metaphor is better than me? No. No, it's just another one. Oh, I'm curious. Yeah, this is about anger. And it was a nine on our trip who was telling me about nines. And hmm. um, I had heard nine. Well, I guess this is another water metaphor. Uh, nines being called tea kettles. Oh, yeah. Boiling and then all of a sudden, you know. But another one that I heard recently, we did not know this was going to happen, everybody. Water <laughs> metaphors. Uh, is that like if you picture being in a pool and you have like a beach ball and you push it underneath you. Uh-huh. And then it, it, it gets free and bursts up. Yeah. That's like mm-hmm. a nine anger. Comes oh, like, that is yeah. super interesting too. That's yep. an interesting water. I, you know, I'm told by I, I didn't create it. Don't blame me. I, you <laughs> know, I, I, I've heard both of the tea kettle and the water pool. Oh, you've heard that too. But I think from Scott. I think Scott told me as soon as he heard them. He's like, "Oh, this is a good one." I'm the water metaphor guy. Yeah, look at you. I'm the one. I'm stealing your your thunder, your waterfall. No, I'm the one that's making you sick of water metaphors. Oh gosh, I can't stand Scott and his damn water metaphors. Oh man! Um, <laughs> what a crazy thing! This is not an episode on Enneagram Nines anymore. <laughs> this is now the oh, water metaphor Google episode. It. Google it. That's fine, guys. I don't care. Google water. <laughs> mind. Episode can be whatever it needs. Oh to yeah, be. We, we'll transition to water metaphor episode now. It's Daniel. For Daniel's your time. merged with that episode. <laughs> I'm not a nine anymore. I'm just. I'm just a water metaphor. Oh my gosh. Um, oh. No, but I, I don't really. My anger doesn't tend to catch me by surprise. Hmm. Hmm. Um, In as much as like a tea kettle kind of blow. It's not like, um, and maybe this is just because I've always been a pretty self-conscious person. Like it's something that people will write about nines. You read about a lot is like nines are self-forgetting. And I'm that in some senses, but I'm also like extremely self-conscious of my place um, Mm. and trying, like, I think it comes from my nineness of not wanting to like be a problem to anyone or intrude on anyone. I don't want to be a bother to anyone. Um, and so in that I take very, I keep very close tabs on like the space I'm taking up and what Mm. I'm saying and the ideas I am presenting to people. Mm. Um, and so I, I keep very close tabs on my anger. Um, and you know, this is the classic nine thing to say, but I don't feel like I'm a terribly angry person. I think, I think it's a motivator for me, but I think as a whole, I'm a happy person. Um, and, and that, and I'm, and I'm sure that later on in life, I'll, I'll start to kind of see, and I'm sure I'm just scratching the surface of the depths of the well of anger inside me. But, but as I live right now, um, it's, it's kind of a shallow periodic thing rather than kind of the deep well that, that a lot of Enneagram writers will kind of reference it as. So I'm interested to see where that goes as I grow up. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Less angry, more angry. We'll see. No, no, but but keep you know, as, as, watch on Daniel, as you said, like like, I do kind of treat my anger as like a social life hack. But at the same time, like it's not that I'm 
I've actually come a long ways in, in kind of treating my anger and, and hosting my anger. The mm. idea of like ooh. hosting your emotions ooh. 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 And, That's good. and welcoming in yes. my anger and because you know, I mean. Here we go with childhood. Like, oh, let's go. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Allow a brief childhood. This isn't in our show here. notes, but we're adding it right oh. now. Yeah. Um, so, like, people will say that nines as children got the message. And if you're parents out there of nines, either my parents or parents of nines, don't hear that. Like, it's I th- the I th- perceived. It's message. the perceived, perceived message. message, right? It's not so, like you actually did this. So, regardless of what you would have done I think that as a young nine child I would have picked this up one way or another but it was that anger is a bad thing and, and for me it was that um my father expressed anger um and I don't think he and my mom fought more often than other parents fight I think parents just fight mm-hmm. um but as like a young child and nines tend to idealize things so I was like parents don't fight um and so I saw them fighting. I was like, well, this and, is awful. And yet? And, and, the, the, and it's and, fighting and, it's, and you hate conflict? And I hate conflict and there's anger and anger seems to be the source of it that they get angry at each other. Mm. I'd better never express anger. Mm. Um, and so that is kind of the, the genesis of, of where all that comes from. And so for me to kind of um, self-nurture my younger self and, mm. and say like, hey, like sometimes you're going to be angry and take this from older Daniel. I'm... I'm here for it. Like, I will be with you when you're angry. Um, that's been really helpful for me to kind of let myself be angry when, when I get angry. This so. healing advice. <laughs> so this is a good episode. This is a good episode. <laughs> a very self-aware, uh, studied, prepared nine. Yeah. Thoughts. Self-aware. You, you know, when I was in middle school, I, I was self-conscious that I was so self-aware. Like uh, I saw these people just kind of uh, acting on things. I was yeah. like, I, think I don't, we, I think all three of us could relate. Yeah, probably. I probably. <laughs> but I was just like, like <laughs> I remember one time I played ultimate Frisbee in uh, middle school. And there was one time when like the team was joking around and they were like pranking each other and someone was going to prank me. And they're like, Oh, I can't prank Daniel. He's too nice. Oh. And I, I felt totally. a little bit left out. Like that was <laughs> a, dis- a, a piece of disconnection. I was like, I don't want to be pranked, but I also don't want to be too nice to be pranked. Like, like I wish you could just, I wish I could just be. I think similar things have been said about me. Yeah. um, It's tough. Yeah. Very tough. Not getting pranked. Yeah. I actually (laughs) don't want to get pranked in any way and I don't ever miss being pranked, but I Mm. got mad when I was pranked if ever, but, uh, but yeah. Anyways. Mm. What are you going to say? Well, I was going to say, we've talked a lot about anger and anger is. 27 minutes. Oh gosh. Okay. We've talked a lot about anger and anger is like a primary repressed emotion for nines, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I think nines, from my understanding, also have like they seem to repress any emotion, whether that be happiness, sadness, mm-hmm. uh, excitement, to maintain some kind of yeah. equilibrium. Yeah, I, it's funny. I think I don't remember what book it was in, but some I was looking through. It was actually on a the. Sleeping at Last podcast episode for sevens, and they Chris Hewitz was talking about how sevens avoid like the darkness of life. Um, and then he came around to the nines and said, Nines just avoid, like, mm. th- there's no yep. there's no object, they just avoid. Um, and mm. I, I, there are seasons in life where or times in life when that is my experience, but for the most part, I think I at least when I was younger, I really did kind of lean into like exuberance. Um, especially at like my church group where I felt really mm. 
like at home and, and comfortable, I was able to kind of be that kid that was kind of, I almost looked like a seven, I think. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't out of pressure. It was just what I was feeling, which was kind of cool. Um, yeah, but I, it's so easy for me to numb out if I'm in a place of discomfort. Like just today, um, I, I <laughs> last night I lost Michaela's car key and she typically lets me drive her car. And so I felt super, super bad because I am, I'm, I can be a forgetful person, and, and I feel bad about losing things. Um, we could tell a whole story about how, what it was like to schedule this podcast. Gosh, before. so much forgetting. <laughs> Between both Daniel and me. Yeah. M- Macy was actually the most stable. Which is <laughs> a rare moment yeah. for me. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, and then I also woke up too late because I was so tired, so I didn't have breakfast. And so when I got to work, I went down to Safeway and was just, like, trying to get myself some food, and I couldn't clear my mind of like the feelings of guilt that I had lost this key. Oh, and no. so I just had to like stand in the fruit section and just <laughs> oh, not think oh. and not feel for like a minute. And I Ooh. just kind of stood there. <laughs> um, and that's a very easy state for me to lapse into of just not feeling. Mm. Um, oh, I have no idea. Well, I so, literally so, have no sometimes idea. Sometimes we have no, like images of these types. The image speaks a thousand words. And I do like the idea of an image of a nine standing still in a frozen food aisle. Numbing out. <laughs> Just like, I, I can't Zoning handle it. Out. We're out. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I guess we have to, we're coming towards the end of this segment maybe, but um, <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. there's a nine conscious about time. <laughs> I want to take up too much space, guys. <laughs> oh. um, but there's this kind of idea of, of numbing out and also of the inner sanctum, which is kind of this idea where the nine can kind of retreat inside. Hmm. I, don't know, I don't know if other types can identify with this, but... Um, when I'm overwhelmed, I am fully capable of continuing to seem as if I'm there. Oh, um, that's it. And I that's hide. That's the nine. Um, yeah. You know, like if it, you might be able to relate of like you drive to work and you know it so well, you can kind of just think about things and not you, you get to you work. You don't have and to like, pay attention to am. where I'm you are. I at work yeah. and I got there safe. Mm. I didn't really have to think at any of the stoplights. Mm. I just mm. kind of mm. was on autopilot. I can do that. For whole interactions, for whole nights, I can Ooh, like like if no. I'm at a, if I've had a tiring day nope, and I'm nope, like nope, at nope. an event, a party, or a, a youth group thing that I'm obligated to be at, I can just exist there. <laughs> and people will think I'm listening to them. That's people amazing. I'm, I'm jealous. This is a nine gift yeah. that I yeah, yeah. It is. like. I can ask about people's nights. How are you doing? Oh, that sounds good. What were you up? You're to? You're only half listening. Now but I can do that, but it's coming at a massive cost, and my whole body will show it. Like. Yeah, my whole body will be in in a state of complete duress. <laughs> I cannot do it. Yeah, I just can't do it. <laughs> I just can't wow. do it. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, it's not totally comfortable for me. You know, I can tell I'm being drained by like trying to maintain this like power saving mode thing that I go into. But you know, I, I can last long periods, and I just kind of retreat inside. Um, yeah, I mean, another metaphor. What here comes? <gasps> a fine, is this? Oh. This might be a final, oh. or just oh. another water metaphor. There might be more to come. Happened. Who knows what lies ahead? Michaeli um, <laughs> told me this. I don't know twist. where it comes from, uh, but the idea that every nine has kind of a little bowl of water inside them. Wow, it's a little what bowl is of water happening. And I the, feel like and this the, is a strange and the dream. Nine, the nine, uh, and I picture my little bowl of water as as inside my inner sanctum. Okay, um, where is your inner sanctum in your body? <laughs> oh gosh. It's Ooh, just within. Um, it's just, it's, just it's, just I, I, yeah, yeah. it's kind of just like, yeah, it's not in my it's head. Sherlock Holmes. It's not necessarily in my body either. It, maybe it's in my body. Mind palace. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's not like this intellectual mind palace. It's 
it's kind of, I mean, if you don't know this about me, I'm a, I really like ancient Greece and I study it obsessively. Um, and so my, 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 my uh, inner sanctum is kind of this little, um, they built these circular ke- temples called a tolos and it's just like this circle with columns. You've probably seen it as like a, a oh, yeah. cone so roof. Every day I see that. Um, Um, and inside there's this little like tripod stool with a a little bowl of water in it and that's my inner sanctum Um, he's bringing the thoughts tonight and and maybe other nines haven't like envisualized their inner sanctum to that amount but I have a very active imagination especially paired with my kind of inner world of ancient Greece um, which I kind of use as a buffer when the world is too Overwhelming. And so, and so my, my inner sanctum, I just spend my time guarding my little bowl of water. Uh, and I tend to it. I look ooh, at it. It's, it's comforting. And, and what happens in, in moments when I'm upset, like with this, this whole losing the key thing, is my bowl of water got tipped over. Hmm. Maybe the bowl even shattered a little. I don't think the bowl You've shattered this time. been vigilant all but, day. But there have been times when the bowl has actually shattered, and then I have to piece together the bowl again and, and let <gasps> the bowl slowly refill with Oof. water. And it's this kind of like keeping the inner peace and not letting the outside world disturb oh. hmm. the peace that I'm constantly grasping after. I just um, feel nines all over the world cl- standing up and clapping. Seriously. And crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Yeah, this is the end of this segment. Everybody. There it is. <laughs> we got to call it. Call it. But it was so good. Well, we're, we're coming right we're back for like, another segment, but you guys. It's segment. <laughs> this was the journey. But it was just a good download of nine information and some real personal experience. Yeah, so when we come back, we'll do some readings, which oh, will just oh, yeah. continue. We'll, we'll, we'll pop off. We, well, we like to pop off. And we also, in this podcast, maybe, maybe sometimes we like to imagine and wonder about maybe this is some, somebody's first time here. Yeah. Welcome to No Small Thing. Uh, in this podcast, we like to read snippets of books that we like. And then just to think about them <laughs> and talk about, about them. And wonder about them. <laughs> and we always have a very prepared, self-knowledgeable seven. No. <laughs> well, one thing I want to say earlier about that seven, and I know we're ending the segment, uh, is is uh, I do think nines can, the, the reason they're so uh, hard to pin down is because they can be, be any more of than the any numbers. other type easily inhabit the other numbers. So like, I mean, my wife's and I I mentioned that at the beginning of this episode, but like, um, it it, it was so hard because like, yeah, you're two. Yeah. You're one. Yeah. You're five. Yeah. You're kind of a four. You're kind of a seven. I was like, wait, this is really hard. Who are you? Who are you? And tell me. (laughs) And I mean, on that note to any listeners out there who either know nines or are nines and don't totally relate with everything I'm saying. Um, well, there's this idea of, of stacking, and we don't need to go into that now, but but I I identify closely also with fives and fours, um, which are we will we get are. to this individualist people and and in intellectual people. And so if if you're less of intellectual, less withdrawn into uh, individualist, like that's we you are. can also be a nine. I'm mm-hmm. just I'm just a Daniel kind of a nine. <laughs> well, I'm four five one. That's not triple withdrawn. I have one compliant. I don't know if I believe in these. Oh, oh, tri-types? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I just said, well, you just said he was triple withdrawn, and then you said we all are, so I'm just Oh mm, yeah, okay. speaking back to you. I was saying we are in the sense that the three of us are withdrawn. Yeah, all three of us are withdrawn, yeah. All okay. Right. Uh, you guys, that's <laughs> the end of that segment, and uh, coming up is a, a nice little uh, survey of books. And here comes Marissa. That's perfect. <laughs> Hey 
Hey everybody, Macy here, interrupting with a small little plea. If you have been listening to any of our Enneagram episodes and found any of them to be helpful, it would be amazing if you went over to wherever you listen to podcasts and left a review. Doing this helps other people to see what they're getting into when they click on an NST Enneagram episode and makes us rise up in the searches. Thanks so much for listening. We so hope this conversation with Daniel has been honoring to all the peacemakers out there. All right, catch you later. We are back with our books. Macy is putting away her marker. She's grabbing her mic. I'm here. But listen up, everybody. We <laughs> like our books. We love our and books. And Macy have, and I have an idea that we have not executed yet of doing a vlog. We, have, we want to do vlogs. And one of our vlogs is that we visit a library and get some new Enneagram books. And we go through our own Enneagram libraries and with the discernment we have today decide which ones are trash and which ones are treasure. Yes, we need to do that. And also I'll say like... I think the two biggest ones I personally, I don't know what Macy's at these days, recommend is Beatrice Chestnut. Mm -hmm. And then I recommend Wisdom of the Enneagram. However, having said that, we did go like searching for an Enneagram book in like a used bookstore. And one of my other favorite Enneagram books is by Claudio Naranjo called Enneatype Structures. One of the like founders of the modern Enneagram. So So he's a real thing. The real deal. And it it is not the most accessible book, but I like it. We're going to do some readings here in a second. And this is the first time we've in, in all of our episodes where we've gotten out our books and our guest has also gotten out a book and picked a passage. So yeah. Daniel is flipping through a book here and finding some passages. He's we're going to read wisdom. some passages and have some discussions about those passages. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. Here we are. Scott's going to begin. <sighs> oh, 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 okay, okay, good. I'll start. Um, with your Naranjo. In between the segments, there really was a legitimate break. My wife came home from a big concert. The, the dogs were barking. <laughs> uh, getting our kids to bed here. Life is happening. Okay, so I have Claudio Naranjo. And this is a good book. And I like, I like how uh, um, he's not harsh. He's not harsh, but he, honest. he's honest. And, and uh I would say pulls no punches and doesn't fluff things up. Now I do like some, I do like a book. We like some fluff too sometimes because it's sometimes hard to hear. And this is not harsh actually. I think there actually are other times where he's harsher. Um, But I just think he says things from my taste that are just so well said and frames it in a way that's like, wow. I mean, especially with the kind of soft, nice, agreeable lines. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's good to have some real criticism. Ah, this is hard to even come across as criticism. You'll see, which is a little frustrating because, I mean, what, what are you going to say? I mean, the only real criticism you can say. I can well, find some. I, I, I can, can, I can find some criticism of nines. Uh, the ones and sixes <laughs> will have plenty of criticism for the nines. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think, okay, let's just stop and talk about some criticism. What were you about to I'm going to read my book, but I'm just going to say um, my mate, basically my one beef I wouldn't even call it a criticism. What's your My beef with personal nines? beef is I want, and, and this is an encouragement to nines, right? I want the full thing. Mm-hmm. And I can handle it and I enjoy it. I want the anger. I want the deep, dark thoughts. I want the weirdness. I want pushback. I don't want going along. I'm not into going along. I don't want anybody going along. That's for my taste. <laughs> and I don't judge nines for that because I, to a certain extent, like I said, married to a nine, I benefit from the going alongness. Mm. I benefit from 
the just generous kindness and yeah. accepting. So much acceptance. So much acceptance you know, from Nine. So, so my goodness. Seriously, I'm spoiled with acceptance here in this house. Um, but sometimes I'm like, my, I, I mean, it's like this existential state of being I'm in with my wife and other nines in my life being like, what do you want? Yeah. Oh, say it. <laughs> say Just it. Just stand up for yourself. Right now. Right now. Say it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> That's why I'm standing with nines. Please. Gosh. What can I do? There's been a couple moments when you've, I wouldn't say snapped at me, but like it's the, the degree below snapped at me. Be like. Dude, like, <laughs> come just, on. Just say it. You want to like shake him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we've Especially got her on since home. I know I'm confident in my in me being a safe place to express. Hmm. Uh, well, okay, okay. I have stories, but I won't go into it. Here, here's my my reading. Okay, so this is talking about. Well, just listen to this. This is a twist, and I posted this, so it might not be a twist to you guys, but maybe the listeners. Other descriptors corresponding here are deliberate and responsible. Okay, so you'll understand that in a second. An Enneatype 9 individual is not only one who ends up, quote-unquote, carrying the bucket, Hmm. but a dependable as well as a generous person ready to carry a large load over his or her shoulders. If in most cases the failure to embody the ideal of loving one's neighbor as oneself comes from loving oneself more than one's neighbor, here's the twist. In Enneatype 9, the situation appears as the opposite. For the over-adjusted postpone their own good and the satisfaction of their needs in an excessive yieldingness to the demands and needs of others. Hmm. Wow. So, to a certain extent, they're loving their neighbor too much. (laughs) That's a weird way of saying it, but... Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I've recalled moments in my life where, like, I'll be working a friend through a hard season, and I'm like... I just wish I could like make a living off supporting other people. Oh, like, mm. like I love. And I bet nines make the best therapists. Best therapists, sure. But you know, it's it. It was even like an introspective moment of like, I wish my life could just be other people's lives, and that they're <laughs> like like I want to identify with them working through their success hmm. uh, without dealing with my own problems. Like I would prefer to help my other friends work through their problems oh. and live vicariously through that rather than address my own things. Yeah. You know, I won't say anybody's, I won't say anybody's name on here, but I go to counseling on Friday. My counselor is a nine (laughs) and uh, sounds just like my therapist. Yeah. And it brings up the idea of merging. So we've kind of like Mm. touched on that, but nines like truly do merge with others and live vicariously through others. It's so true. I mean, like it, I, I've found that I go through these seasons depending on who are my closest friends mm. and the people that are closest to me. And I, I will like legitimately unknowingly start to take on traits of theirs. Mm. Um, mm. Like ever since I've kind of been friends with Scott, certain people in my life have told me like, you kind of sound like Scott the way you talk. Oh, um, oh. interesting. I, will be interesting to hear. Like, I don't know if people out there, if you know me and are listening to me, let's see if you think I sound like Scott. Um, it's hard to to know the lines blur because sometimes I'm listening to myself and I'm thinking I sound like Daniel. Really? Interesting. Yeah. And sometimes I think I sound like Macy. Like I think we all start to sound like, like each other. Yeah, for for sure. And I think that's but sort of a human thing. Others. But yeah, no, I think mine's nine's more. I don't think I sound like other people very often. That's well, yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> I, I said I find myself <laughs> sounding like you. I don't think you sound like me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like for example, earlier in this episode, I said, "Who's to say?" And that's a phrase I've never said in my entire life. But Macy says that. What is it? 
Who's, Who's to, to say? say? Who's yeah. to say? Macy I just, does I just say pick that. up on these little things, and I, I think subconsciously I go like, oh, that's a thing that I can well, do to nice belong. That's a nice little one, yeah. Uh, oh, Macy's going to accept me if I say that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if that's the... <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say? Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it is interesting. But, like, um, from things from, like, fashion, like, the my fashion, my clothing fashion tends to... Uh, vary depending on like which musical artists I'm most mm. into. Oh, that's mm. fascinating. So you like emulate their vibes. And, so, and so I vibe. have these different vibes. Like there's this I one band relate. I really like called the Lone Bellow, which is like a, a mm-hmm. bl- really folksy bluegrass mm-hmm. group in, in uh, Brooklyn. And so like I went through this phase where I was super into them. And so I started dressing with more like jeans and like belts and boots and collared <laughs> shirts. Um, but then there's like this other artist that I really appreciate. We, we really need a, uh, <laughs> we really, we really need uh, not, not you to say anything more about that, but we need, we do need like a, an actual picture because that was uh, uh, belts, jeans, boots, <laughs> like what, what <laughs> clothes you mean? <laughs> clothes. Like no, no, but the, you know, this no, musical arts I got into, I started wearing basic. belts. Can you believe it? <laughs> no, but you know, like rustic vibes, like yeah, r- rustic, rustic vibes. Folks I know vibes. what you're saying. That's why we need a picture, though. Yeah, because that did sound shirts, <laughs> <laughs> belts. Daniel does. You normally look. I don't know. If this is a nice thing, but he looks you look spiffy. Yeah, spiffy and put together. Well, see, spiffy comes from other people in my life, other mm-hmm. artists, or just people in my life where I go like, I admire that, and and mm-hmm. that can be a part of me. And so I kind of take it and absorb it into myself. Mm. Oh, that's and so interesting. I, I, you know, I've kind of come to terms with this, but in the past I was really self-conscious because I, I really was kind of just an amalgamation of the people that I surround myself with, r- physical mm. friends and just, like, figures that I am aware of. Oh. Um, but but now I, I think that, you know, as long as I don't totally obscure myself, that, that that's an okay way of being. Of I think there's something cool about being a mirror of, of kind of mirroring other things in the world. And it's yeah. not hurting anybody. No, not at all. Yeah. So true. If you're a nine out there, it's true, but you may have that. a secret inner style that wants to come out oh, that you don't know floor. yet. It's true. It's true. to say, actually. Search but, huh. inside. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think my inner style comes from my certain way of intellectualizing things. And huh. I, I mean, you, it, you both are intellectual people. And this is probably a pretty intellectual audience, and I think I have my oh. own spin and way of of doing that. Mm. That's mm. where I, that's where I mostly see my individualism. Okay, mm. that's interesting. In my inner passions and interests, I would I would like to be thought of as intellectual. Um, so that was I mean, a nice. podcast just about <laughs> thinking about anything is I a know, pretty I intellectual know. premise. I know. It's true. It's really <laughs> true. Uh, 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 well, one thing I. I have so many thoughts. It's a, it's a thought, thought train. train. Yeah. Um, Bless you. I do think I am having this. The, this is a, I don't think I've ever said this out loud on the podcast before, but like I am having that feeling in this episode where I feel like it's going so well that, and this may be like I, me accessing a six wing. Something's going to go wrong. I still, I, I start to worry the SD card's going to glitch. And I'm like, this has to, this has to be good. It's, it, it has to work. It will. It's only ever not worked once. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm nervous about it. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> you guys, it'll yeah. be fine. Everything it'll be works fine. Um, did you have a thought or should I do then a reading? I think you should do a reading. Okay. Um, Here comes Macy's reading. This comes from Understanding the Enneagram, which is written by Don Richard Riso and Russ Hudson, who wrote The Wisdom. It's just kind of a Legit different... People. 
legit people. It's a little bit different, and this book has a lot more graphs. I don't know. It's Ooh, gotta love some graphs. I love graphs. Um, and then for each of the numbers, they have, like, all these different bolded words and paragraphs. And one of them for each number is their characteristic temptation. Mm. Which I just think mm. is an interesting thing. What is my temptation? And when mm. I was reading it, I was like, oh, I think this is like, this really gets at nine. So I'll read it and we'll see. Uh, so nine's characteristic temptation, which right before that is named their defense mechanisms, which is repression, disassociation, and denial. Whoops, the daisies. Whoops, the daisies. <laughs> For real. Um, okay. So the characteristic temptation is to avoid conflicts and self assertion. For average nines, directedness, making their desires known, or taking a strong position feels like an aggressive act. Nines believe that if they assert themselves, they risk disrupting or even destroying the harmony that exists in their relationships. Thus, they begin to think that by being conciliatory and subordinating themselves to others, they can maintain their relationships and their own emotional peace. Nines say yes when they mean no, which avoids conflicts in the short run, but which leaves them angry when others choose a course of action that choose a course of action that nines are not comfortable with. Mm. Repressed anger is the first step in creating the resistance, depression, and dissociation that create problems for nines. Wow. Ooh. There it is. Gosh. Maybe yeah. a little harsh. No, mm. I mean, it's it's really real. And I mean, like... Real. Real is the right <laughs> way to say it. Like, uh, I totally am that kind of person that goes along with the flow. I don't want to cause a fuss. And yet, I can also recognize that that is really not always helping people. Um that sometimes people need me to show up. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think I can read it right now, but I, I, I journal, and I, I had a thought that was kind of similar to that. Am I bulldozing over you? Or you no, you no, that so I'm inviting you up? into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> nine concern. <laughs> there's a little nine concern <laughs> yeah. for your listening pleasure. Um, <laughs> you know, so, like, part of the nines is, is this kind of ability to empathize and, like, see every point of view, and maybe mm. you've kind of gotten a sense of that from how I'm speaking now. Um, but I really kind of always see every point of view. Um, at least I think. Um, I think I do. And you're trying to, probably. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. It, it's pretty natural to me, honestly. Hmm. Like, <laughs> there's this thing where, like, I think this is something just people do. But they'll, you'll be with a group of like-minded friends or people, and you'll say, I, I can't imagine how those people think that. Yeah. Hmm. Like, how, what are they thinking? And I'll typically go along with that and be like, I, yeah, I don't understand. What are they thinking? Uh, but that's almost always a lie. Like, I can't imagine, I can't remember a single time when that's actually been wow. genuine. Like, I'm always like, well, of course they're a person telling their own story. Oh, they're enmeshed oh, in their oh, own narrative. Oh, this is my wife. This and, is my wife. This and, is like a double nine thing. I know. Oh. It's, it's, and it's so hard because, like, I want to not make conflict for myself and, and be the person that actually understands people. Like, I feel so guilty for understanding other people because I can't uh, engage in this, like, not understanding this, this, of this, the this, other. This kind of human interaction. I know. I'm this, like, this, everybody gets together and be like, how could they? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. I want to do that. And you try to fake it. Yeah. yeah how could they? And you're secretly like, I understand. <laughs> it's so rough. And, and so, like, recently I've really been trying to lean into that and be like, because I think... Maybe some people, I think some people just want to trash on other people and be like, how I can't understand it. They're illogical. But I think some people genuinely want to understand. And so mm. I, I try to ascertain when that's the actual intent and, mm. and, then you can and try help. to shed light. Um, but it is a bit, it's that feels like an act of aggression to me. Ooh. Ooh. Um, that feels like an act of aggression, right? Like, like here, here I am, you guys, because I mean, 
in a sense, I do think they're wrong to just kind of be that narrow-minded and to mm-hmm. just see, this mm-hmm. is my way of seeing it and they're wrong. Like, I think it's all, it all just is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and so that can... I, I understand how upsetting it can be to hear that. And so I don't want to upset people <laughs> oh, with that, with that yeah, we all, all-inclusive We all have something that, that's our core to our types that's going to upset people if we say it, how we think it. So it's that's been a big struggle. Um, yeah, I mean, someday I'll share some new reflections on being a five. I have a lot, a, a big thought about my sort of, the, uh, I think we're all, we're all believing a myth in our mm-hmm. types. It's mm, not true. Yeah. That, that we, we're so. Like, uh, we're telling married. ourselves a false narrative. And mine has to do with energy, and I have a big thought about that. But, like, they're very interesting thoughts. Something else. Sure. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. But the nines, this myth of losing peace, I think nine times out of ten, nine, uh, <laughs> not, not going to happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe very rarely there, there will be a day when peace will be lost. Maybe, maybe someday a relationship will not heal. Yeah. But most times it's a complete myth. Hmm. Yeah. Like if you speak up and were to say something and be like, no, actually I like this and do this. This is the thought I've been having is like, what if, what if temporarily it caused some, uh, some anger and some, uh, some some, like a fight, uh, connection still isn't being lost to a certain extent. It's, Drawing it's, closer. Yeah. You know? Totally. And you're going to be better for it. Yeah. But, but the myth is, I'm going to lose connection. It's yeah, gonna, it's everything's like... Everything's going to go well, away. Well, it's that constant fight between the, the immediate discomfort of a moment of an interaction mm. and, like, I think a lot of nines, they do have it in, within themselves to see that there is more to the story and that it's like, it doesn't end with the discomfort um, yeah. of, of the interaction. But, but it's avoiding that discomfort. It's so you, you avoid the discomfort and so avoid the eventual growth and peace that can come through just going through the conflict. Minds. Mm. Mm. We guys. love them. <laughs> we love nines. Do you have a reading? I do. Uh, you know, Mr. Gray, foamy microphone, man. <laughs> Gray, what an unobtrusive color. Yeah. yeah. Um, everyone can Can't see. Really it. have an opinion about that, although we do have big opinions about it. Uh, yeah, really <laughs> you guys with big opinions. It's you know, made me think like it really threw me off when you were like, "Oh, I can choose gray." And, and you know, you know, this is something that I've been thinking since you guys started your podcast. And for those of you who don't know, I've, I'm friends with Scott and Macy, and I've been listening mm-hmm. kind of since episode one. Um, but it's so comforting for me or uh, helpful for me to have you two, like Macy as someone who sees everything as a potential meaning and makes meaning out of everything. And Scott, who like constantly asks more questions and why and why and why <laughs> and what and what and what. Like me as a nine, my default stance is just like, I will walk into a room and it just is. It just, there's, there's nothing to feel or think about it. There's no questions to be had. I just, it's... I'm just a part of it, and it's all around me, and <laughs> here I am. I'm going to be vague as possible, but there. It's, so I'm not going to even give a location to where this was happening. We, we were in the three of us were in a place where there was another human in the room, and, I, and you're not probably even going to know what I'm talking about. Okay, which is good. That's the, fine. The less we know about the specifics, the better. But it's that's more how funny I feel about life. Don't get too specific. Um, there was a person that was obviously spouting off some nonsensical ideas. <laughs> it, I mean, just b- like so blatantly. Wait, is this one of us? No. Oh. Three of us were in the room, though. Oh, okay. So we're all part of this experience. Okay. And most of us are trying to humor the person, but definitely not affirm these 
wild ideas and just kind of like, mm, oh, I okay. think I maybe know this yeah. situation. And Daniel was like, <laughs> wow, what a great idea. That's interesting. That's a really interesting thought. Maybe you're right. And I was like, what the heck is he doing? <laughs> I have no Why idea what this saying is. saying this? We'll talk about it offline. <laughs> and I went. And we already knew you were no. not at that point. And I was like. Well, I was like, this is big nine vibes right now. Like, so just signing off on these big, wild ideas and thoughts, you know? Well, you know, because like, the way, okay. Well, I shrank. Yeah, Macy just disintegrated. If, if we can go, if we can really humor the nine that Daniel is and go, like, full existential. Like, ideas, words, the stories we tell about ourselves, it's all just a part of us. Like, it, it's like these ideas that we have about the world even my own ideas about the world, it's something that I've created from what I've observed. And so it's its all this kind of ethereal thing that that helps us make sense of our experience as humans, but I don't see it as as this ultimate reality. Mm. And, and and so it's... True. Uh, and, so, and so that really allows me to humor people. Like, like it's, mm. And it's not even mm. humor. I think it's honoring people. Like, this is your story, and your story is just as real to you as my story is to me. And so yeah. in that, it really... Yeah, I had pretty emotional reaction to that <laughs> response because I was like, part of me was like highly f- mad at you. And then par- part of me was like kind of like hyper inspired. I was like, what, the, what is this thing he's doing? How Gosh. can he, how can he do this? Well, I want, I want to do it. And I'm like, I can't, <laughs> I cannot. Yeah, right, I Daniel has a reading. Okay. I'm um, going to keep talking over him and bulldozing. <laughs> can you, am Gosh. I bulldozing? Gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Am I talking too much on this nine episode? <laughs> Should I Never. not be a guest? Oh yeah, you, man. We're going to keep, Daniel, we're going to keep talking. You go, we're done with you. <laughs> um, people say that any, uh, Enneagram nines, their method of communication is like epic saga. So I'm going to try to make this reading not mm, an epic saga. But epic um, saga. this is from the wisdom of the Enneagram that. on page 317, <laughs> if you so choose to reference yes. it yourself. Yes. Um, it's, your, it's your own copy? This is this He brought is, his own wisdom. I brought my own wisdom. Another guest first. I don't think any guest has brought their own wisdom. Matthew Lauder might have, but just because we were we at our house. house. Yeah, okay. Shout okay, out Matthew this Lauder. is this is kind of about um, both how nines cope with life and also like you I've heard on a lot of from a lot of sources that nines are like have this fast track to spiritualism or like this, oh, this yeah. extreme openness to spiritualism. And I just kinda wanna True. Uh, I can't Get like, ready for the emergence of essence. I know. Gosh. Well, well I, I can't. I don't <laughs> assume that I can make a comprehensive explanation of what that is for all nines, but I can kind of dive into me within my story. Um, but so I'm going to read this and then I'll have some thoughts. Um, so it says, uh, if nines see the silver lining in every cloud as a way of protecting themselves from the cold and rain, other types have their other uh, distorting viewpoints too. For example, fours focus on their own woundedness and victimization, ones on what is wrong with how things are, and so forth. By contrast, nines tend to focus on the bright side of life so that their peace of mind will not be shaken. But rather than deny the dark side of life, what nines must understand is that all the perspectives presented by the other types are true, too. Nines must resist the urge to escape into premature Buddhahood, or the white mm-hmm. light of the divine, yeah. mm-hmm. and away from the real world. They must mm-hmm. remember that the only way out is through. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think, you know, I'm someone who does idealize things and sees a silver lining. But I, I've really, as I've kind of taken up this language of the nine and this metaphor of being a nine, I think um, 
I've really started to understand that I need to be more intentional about looking at the dark side of life and, and seeing all perspectives because I understand I have a u- unique ability to do that and a mm. unique gift of being able to do that. Mm. Um, and I think I'm at a point where I, I do see all the perspectives as, as true or as true as any others. Um, and <laughs> this is... Can I go on a brief brief digression of like my story of spirituality of in, in, within Christianity? We can cut this if it if it doesn't really fit. Um, I'm already planning on cutting it, but go ahead. And there share. we go, classic. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I grew up kind of like classic Christian in this Presbyterian church, very mainline. Um, so I grew up like pretty mainline Christian in this Presbyterian church in Seattle, um, and so when I was in high school, uh, our church hired like these like certain people that, that had a really sk- big skill with uh, worship music and creating kind of this worshipful experience, um, it, which is probably where I get that from and mm-hmm. why I'm kind of so a part of that. Um, but for me, I, it, I, I kind of felt this kind of classic, like, worship vibe of, like, this, this bright light of the divine, this, like, sense that, that there's something above and that God is up there to pre- be reached at. Um, and I really, like, attached onto that and... and my entire, well, not my entire life, but for a long time, I devoted many years to trying to, like, get that feeling, to really immerse myself mm. in this feeling of, like, God is out there if I can just be present enough with God. And, and, mm. the, and that, that God is out there for me to love and to adore. Um, Did being present with God mean, like, being, like, separate from the world? Yeah, it's kind of this escapism from the darkness of, like, the world is dark, the world is bad, but God is good, and if I can just have the, like, the euphoric worship vibes in, like, the high point of the worship song or whatever. Like, if I hang on to that long enough, that can be my life, and I can escape it and, mm. and just be one with God or, or whatever, be in relationship with God. Um, and so I was always very enamored with the idea of heaven and going to heaven mm. where it's... Ooh, uh, going I mean, to heaven. It, it was always just kind of, in my mind, was like this eternal worship concert where there's no conflict between me and my loved ones. There's no pain. Mm. I'm just kind of... That's kind of boring. I know. I mean, <laughs> I've never, like, loved heaven imagery. You know, it's funny. I, I had friends growing up in youth group that were, like... Or, or like, not even at youth group, but friends at school. They're like, why are you Christians so interested in this idea of heaven where it's, like, this rock concert for Jesus? Like, that's so boring. And, but for me, like, the idea of peace, eternal non-conflict, <laughs> just mm. seems so so see pleasant it. to me. Um, oh. I know. Oh big thoughts, for sure. And, uh, I mean, I don't exactly know, but as I've kind of read uh, the Bible, and I haven't talked about this as much as I imagined, but I, I really, I love ancient Greece so much. And, and I, <laughs> I read the Bible in, in Greek, and it's, it's so life-giving. And, and, you know, when, whenever Jesus kind of talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's always down in the world. He's hmm. feeding the hungry or healing the weak or showing love to people that the people of God have put on the outside in the world. Um, and, and, and in that moment he will say to them, the kingdom of God has neared to you, has become near to you. Um, and it's in this perfect tense in Greek, which means that it has already happened. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so, and so as, as I've, I don't, I'm not presuming to say what heaven is like or what heaven isn't like, but I do know that from what we can tell from these gospels, these writings, these Christian writings that I think, the, the message Jesus was giving 
um, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not listener, is, is that, that this idea of heaven is, is something that's present and in the world. And that um, when we can kind of wake up to the world and be present in the world, that that's where we find the kingdom of heaven. And it's not in transcending the world so much as, as living in it. Um, and maybe that's integration. Big, big things. So there's my, my big... But also who's to say? But also, who knows? That's just my story. That's my relative story. As a I don't think I can say that anymore. That really? Oh, no. Did I ruin it? <laughs> no, Macy's not unique. She's been outed. Her, her unique oh, catchphrase. No. I'll stop noticing it. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sure I'll still say it. Um, this is wrapping up our reading segment, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this reading corner. <laughs> Coming up is a rumination. Okay. Yeah. Coming, I think so too. Coming up is a rumination. I think we'll end. I think we'll end with with uh, stances. Yeah, I and think so. And maybe talk of self prez stuff. We can see. Rumination, everybody. It's been a while since we had a rumination, and here. it's coming. He's in my own house. He's emerged. He's gotten up from his chair. He's not in a room tonight. Didn't emerge. <laughs> he's already here in the room, but he's uh, arisen. He's arisen from his chair. So coming up, coming up next. <laughs> So I've brought not just one poem, but several poems, kind of narrative poems. I don't know what this is, but these are all, but there's a book in front of me. It's yellow with the, the letter B on it. It's a book by this uh, poet, named Madvey Yankelevich, and it's called Boris by the Sea. And it's a a series of scenes about this person, this entity named Boris. And these scenes are not meant to be read in any particular order. You can read them in different orders. There's no logic to them. Like Boris dies at the end of several scenes. Boris becomes gets transformed into a kitten in other scenes. It's and uh it is, I think you know, I try to think of like this should connect to like the Enneagram and it was like it doesn't. Uh yeah, so I think my hope uh uh Madvi Yankelevich I don't think is a very well known poet. Uh, he's Although I have a lot of friends who, are, who write poetry who know him, uh, so he probably is kind of like a poet's poet. Um, but my goal is that you get, you listen to these snippets and then you get very interested and you go to open books, which is a poetry only bookstore in Seattle. It's in Wallingford. It's one of my favorite places on earth. And then you get a copy of Boris by the Sea. Maybe. Okay. So I'll read several scenes from Boris by the Sea. Boris was thirsty, so he watered his plants. 
When the plants died from being overwatered, Boris was still thirsty. Boris had no more plants to water, so he watered the sand that was left. The water sat in the sand and went nowhere. Boris was still thirsty. Boris went outside and watered the sea while no one was looking. The sea waved and nodded and waved again. But Boris was even thirstier, and the sea was no different for it. Boris had no water left. He rolled in the sand and became dirty. Boris lived in his room and thought about why people need each other. People need each other, thought Boris, to check each other for ticks. People need each other for solving the problem of what is inside. Boris looked himself over and realized there were many parts of him that he could not see. And only a small part of these parts was on the surface. The urge to rip out one's own heart arises from this, he thought. Boris dreamt of men who disattached their thoughts from the government of their own organisms. These men could, if they happened to notice their own body, consider it to, to be somebody else's body and open it up to see what was inside. The surface is never enough for such men. But people need each other to open each other up and see what is inside and to scratch their backs. Boris reached around and touched his shoulder blade. He wondered what it looked like. He got a good hold on it. He pulled hard and he pulled harder, but he could not bring it around to the front. Whenever Boris was alone in his room, he wasn't. He wasn't alone being alone in the room. He was with. He was with hat. He was with eyes and ears. He was with walls. He was with time. He was with him. He had been with her and that made her absence. Whenever he was alone, that way time went by. It went by like a river just keeps going by. It doesn't stop even when you catch it. Even when you notice the moment it goes by. Even you, if you ask politely, it won't give you the time of day. It won't give you any time at all. No time to yourself. Whenever time went by Boris, Boris felt it going by, much the way a rock feels the river going by, changing him a little at a time, but constantly always changing him as it goes by. And not for a moment can he stop it from changing him. Not for a minute can he stop it from going by. He cannot stop changing as the river goes by. So Boris was like a rock in the river, ever changing. He could not stop time from going by. He could not invite it to stay a while, to rest. It accepted no invitation. It must flow on. It is urgent. What's up with Boris, you guys? I know, what's up with Boris? Go buy the book. Uh, 
um, are you, you're not going to slink off t- this time. I'm not going to slink off. <laughs> I'll be like Boris. I'll hang around in a, in a confusing way. It's like, just what don't is he sit doing? in the corner and like chew your, chew at your face. Yeah. yeah. Why is Ruben standing next to me? Mouth agape. Mouth agape. Why is his hand on my shoulder? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're recording podcast now all of a sudden. <laughs> okay, well, he's handing Macy back his uh, her blue microphone. And uh, he's going to go back to his chair and sit, I imagine. That's the one you can cut out. Yeah. No, no, no. And no. you're going to listen to some a musical interlude? <clears throat> musical interlude. Someday we have dreams of creating our own little uh, ditty. Our own little ditty uh, bop. Ruvenation ditty. <laughs> uh, it's a ruvenation. But Ruven's not going back to his room now. Now he's he's has hands on hips <laughs> <laughs> and walking backwards towards his chair where he's gonna sit. <laughs> oh. oh crap, Ruven! <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> he uh, almost tripped over the glass <laughs> coffee table, <laughs> and glassy babies are now on the floor. They're upset babies. So we, we live in Seattle, everybody. This is a Queen Anne home. We have many glassy babies. Ruben, are you okay? Okay. Okay, Ruben. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation about stances. A conversation about stances, and then we'll also... that'll be This will be our last segment, yep. and we're going to close with a bit of a benediction, a.k.a. emergence of essence. Because if you didn't know, one of the things we want to say right here and now is... We're sitting around the table for the first time with three withdrawn types. Oh, Four, five, we're all here, and we're going to have a conversation about that. What yep. does it mean? Maybe you don't know about withdrawn types. We're here to tell you. When we come back. We are back to a just blue microphone, an orange microphone, and, and a, a gray, gray microphone. microphone. Interesting <laughs> choice from our friend Daniel. <laughs> we'll continue to ponder it. Yep. Um, I know, I know, I know. Fellow Ooh. nines, what does it mean for you to have a gray microphone? And Daniel has a gray sweater. Orange. Yeah, you did. You did strategically think about matching your outfit, mm-hmm. so that I wonder if you were wearing a different colored shirt, if that would have changed things. Perhaps. Side note, I do want to say, if you're the type of person that's gotten this far into the podcast, and if there's any sort of instinct in you that's thinking, get to the point. (laughs) Stop talking about the gray microphone. Uh, This is not that podcast. (laughs) We do stop and kind of meander a little bit about microphone colors. and (laughs) We're a little bit of a banter podcast, (laughs) but not like... I think also meandering. Meandering. I love that word. Now I I would that's the thing I would want to listen to a meandering podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are there are certain podcasts that test the limits of that for me, but um, generally speaking, I, I like to make the podcast that I'd want to listen to. Here we are, tyranny yeah, of taste. Okay, so here we are, uh, stances. Okay, so I think in the last episode we slightly touched on stances mm-hmm. and kind of discussing that there are three three ways in which people handle kind of. Is it is it mostly conflict handle mm. handle 
the world. I, I don't think I, I don't handle think, life. I don't think it's. I don't even I think, think it's stance is the right word. It's it's their stance towards life. Their posture. Their posture. posture. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good word. Yeah. Um, and there's ones, twos, and sixes. Who are the compliant stance or complacent stance? Compliant, compliant, compliant stance, which their stance is. How would you describe I, it? I would say another word would be obedient. To these compliant. like these ideas of what society or the group thinks mm-hmm. how one should respond, and mm-hmm. so they look to that as their like guidepost of how to respond to things. They're they're trying to orient themselves around the rules so to speak mm-hmm. in their own mind mm-hmm. but that that's their that's what their attention is on it's the perceived what the mm-hmm. rules are mm-hmm. and ideals are perceived what the rules are for each one it's a little bit different but that's the ones, ones twos, and twos and sixes, sixes. are in the compliance stance and then Triad, threes sevens and eights are in the assertive stance if anybody knows the enneagram that's not going to surprise you these are assertive people the aggressive numbers their stances Something happens in the world, they ch- they step forward. Now, I can say this really quickly, and we're not going to do it for every type, but for this, I can just say, like, threes are assertive in terms of getting their goals. Sevens are assertive in terms of getting their pleasures met. Eights are assertive in terms of dominating and controlling. Mm-hmm. Getting what they want. But 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 I think I think understanding the stances has really helped me because sometimes it's a, it, it helps me quickly eliminate other types. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, so, so now I can just be like, this person is definitely in the assertive triad. I don't know what, what they are yet, three, seven, or eight, but I definitely know they're assertive. I do think in terms of understanding your type, it is one of the biggest keys mm-hmm. into like seeing yourself because it's your stance comes with you everywhere. The way you're responding to the world shows up in your yeah. stance. Just for yep. the compliant types, do you want to give a brief, like a one-liner for each of the compliant oh, types? You know, honestly, I will just say, like I'm basing a lot of like my quick takes on an Ian Morgan Cron typology episode recently. Oh yeah. Which was really fun. Cause he, he ultimately types Amy Grant, who is knowledgeable about the mm-hmm. Enneagram, uh, as a nine. Yeah. Which is, which was fun. I just listened to that. Yeah. One myself. So good. Uh, so it seems that, uh, ones are complying to a set of standards and rules that they've essentially created in their minds. Like what is right. Yeah. My take is that twos are complying to the needs, wants, and wishes of their close loved ones. Mm-hmm. Sixes is like institutional. The know. structure. They're finding the structure, the institution that they need to latch onto to feel safe and protect them, and they're mm-hmm. going to comply to those rules so that they will win the favor of the... It, it, this is in heavy quotes, everybody. The institution, <laughs> the big, the big entity that's going to protect them. Hmm. You yeah. know, I mean, the, what I do love is a little quick side note about sixes. Daniel's engaged to a six, one of our favorite sixes. Love this six, and one of the this is just like a classic six thing that has just like all sixes out there will probably snap at this, even if they know they never thought about it. Michaeli is obsessed with like. Uh, Police officers and firefighters. Oh, she's that's got a six energy. fire engines memorized. She knows many of no. the drivers of the fire engines. We'll drive by and it's like, I've never seen anybody do this. We'll drive by and say, like, oh, there's fire engine number seven. <laughs> oh my gosh, what are they there's doing? Ladder five. Yeah, there's ladder five. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> And she loves knowing about their protocols and their. We, we, we passed some on the way home from work today, and she's like, there's. 
there's some celebrities. <laughs> oh, look, there's that's another like, one. That's our version oh, of Oh, and look, they have everyone standing outside the building. <laughs> no. Just doing their civic duty. Yeah. This is no. so nice. She knows, she loves knowing that there's people that have a plan in place. You know? Gosh, <laughs> at one point in the very beginning of my Enneagram journey, I pondered at the thought of being a six. Oh, and gosh, Macy. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-mm. What would Macy Anna. be like as a six? <laughs> not be Macy. <laughs> okay, so so should I do a quick pass at the withdrawn types? Yeah, so we are, you guys, we are the All fours, fives, the and building. nines, the withdrawing yeah, we are. type. And, and Ruben is the withdrawing type too. Ruben's here and also withdrawn and we have a photo Ruby. that is gonna be on our We're Instagram really that represents photo. this. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how I understand it. I'm excited. Um, fours, like if you picture, especially a party situation, which we tend to do sometimes when we're talking about this stuff, fours withdraw in the sense that they're going to go to a, into a corner <laughs> and make sure that everybody to low key sees that they're not part of the crowd, <laughs> you know, like if they're not, I mean, I, it probably happens in, ever, I think that's ways. true. Well, I, think, I guess what does withdrawn mean to you? Let's go to that way. Yeah. I think withdrawing also is this idea of like when th- things big things arise in the world or when I'm encountering the world, I'm usually like have a foot backwards trying to retreat back towards myself or my home or like mm-hmm. my safe space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like in most areas I'm stepping into, I'm not like asserting myself very much. I'm more, I'm withdrawn. Mm-hmm. I'm like halfway out the back door. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to think about the difference between a withdrawn four and five. I think it, even Morgan Cron was trying to, oh, s- like specify some of the differences. So I'll say the nine when he like reached the nine and it really clicked for Amy Grant. He just said, and this I've said this to several nines since, and it really resonates with them mm. to the point where it's like instant tears. I'm intrigued. No, it says like a instantly. nine. A nine will stay in the room, and they check out mm. mentally, oh, yeah. which you've already hinted at. So they have withdrawn. They're there smiling and they're being positive and they're nobody would ever know, you know, but they're not there. And uh, the only so the only difference I would say with like the way I understand a five in particular as compared to a four and a five. Yeah. Is this like literal leaving of, of the body like the body goes somewhere else. Yeah. And that's what I really relate to as a five. Like, it seems that, like, the nine mentally checks out. Oftentimes, I'm, I'm thinking just, like, for the metaphor of a party situation, the four may stay in the room. Or hides. I or think hides. that that's another yeah. good thing to think. Like, literally last night, I went and hid for a bit. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> gotta, yep gotta withdraw. Gotta <laughs> and there could be some great similarities between all these withdrawn mm-hmm, types. Sure. But, like, for me personally, I do know that there's something about my body. Mm-hmm. I have an interesting well, relationship. Well, with what body. do you mean by body? Because I mean, what I've heard you say and other five yeah. say is that it's kind of like you you ascend above. It, it's oh. like the mind the mind picks up and 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 goes up. That's a little different. Okay. I, I I think that is uh, the way we deal with conflict. I, I mean, maybe as we're staying in it. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I could talk a lot about that. Sure, this isn't a five episode, but but we're uh, talking about withdrawing types now. Yeah. Well, I don't know how that applies to being a withdrawn type. I mean, I do know that, like, me as a five, in my worst moments, I become very, I, I become like Spock on Star Trek. And, and I just, everything becomes cold, hard, stale, robotic facts. 
Hmm. And it becomes a, 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 a uh, it's it's not a good sight. <laughs> not a good sight. I've I've grown. <laughs> I've had some bad moments in my younger years, and I can still do it. But I think there is mostly, in terms of the way I understand my own withdrawnness, it is like literally leaving the building, mm. literally going away as far away as possible. Yeah, my body can't be in the room. Mm. Gotcha. And and I do think, I mean, if I compare, I don't know about Macy. I think I think fours and fives might be a little bit more similar in this sense. But like compared to nines, I think nines are beautifully uh, great adapters like nobody would ever know marissa has left <sighs> yeah nobody. i mean it's it, it's funny how you say like you need to take your body somewhere else to to kind of withdraw like for me it's i i just become my body it's it's not like it's almost like i kind of I disappear I, i'm just i'm just a body in a room i'm, I'm part of the everything like i mean youth group as as this intern youth group can be really overwhelming for me because there's lots of kids there. There's lots of, I kind of need to show up and be a person there. And, and sometimes that can really be overwhelming. <laughs> show up and be a person. Um, and so I kind of just have this way of becoming a part of it all. And, mm. and it's it's like if there was a script, I'd naturally know what it is. And I oh. just kind of go with it. Oh, that's Ooh. interesting. There's a difference between the withdrawing of, of these types. Yeah, and I'm thinking the more we... T- I like that we're getting at the nuance of yeah. the withdrawing because yeah. I feel like I can really withdrawn, withdraw to, like, an internal self. Mm. So, like, yeah. I will withdraw to just be, like, with myself. Mm. Like, I don't want to be with other people. And so I have to, like, find that space. But I can do that, I think, when I'm in a crowd and, like, uh. enter into, like, my own self world and forget about the crowd. Ooh, as I, as I've as I've discovered the enneagram and I've known and we've learned the language and stuff, and and I guess it's given people and I hope it gives people listening the permission mm-hmm. to to sort of um, like justify or validate, but is a better word their strange proclivities and you're at least not alone in it. Yeah, yeah. And what I think, what what I think, looking back on my entire life from as early memories as I can remember, but definitely like as I got into middle school, high school, college, and stuff, is the best way I can describe it is is like a spidey sense. <laughs> like if you ever yeah. look at the comics or like the sure. cartoons or the movies, like this tingling, hmm. like my body needs to leave. Hmm. It's just a crazy feeling. It's it's, it's like a, immediate. It's anxiety. It's sweat. It's it's heavy sweat. It's um, tears. Wow. It's it's like uh, like I said this word already once in this podcast, but it's like a state of duress. It's like hmm. it's an emergency. Hmm. And there are times where I've stuck in it, and and but I, I can't imagine if anybody was truly paying attention to my face that I'm faking it well. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. If you're sweating and crying. Oh, <laughs> I'm just like freaking out. Hmm. Like I I can't be in this room right now. I can't. I have to leave. And that's why we we kind of joked in our introvert extrovert episode mm-hmm. uh, that like a bathroom was a haven. I spent so much time in the bathroom. Oh, true. You know, I, I said you guys. Too accurate. <laughs> I went to a wedding with McKaylee in December. It's a it's a it's a safe place. Oh, Lock it's the, the safest door. place. Like, please. <laughs> yeah, I said both. I, I think I sent you both a selfie of just me hiding, and I took a selfie. Yeah, of her and told me like, here I am here in the bathroom. I bathroom time. <laughs> I think I think this like gets at this idea that for us as withdrawing types to participate in the world, we have to have those moments of withdrawing. Mm-hmm. Like we can't be fully present 
without having those moments as where I think like assertive types, like they are fully present in being like aggressive in the room and entering that that's where they kind of come alive. And for us, we can come alive with like when we're pulling back yeah. um, or, or have a, get an opportunity to pull back for a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also, I, I'm going to say this and I think I'm right, but I could be wrong. I think that the stances relate to our orientation to time. Ooh. So, mm-hmm. so, so threes, <laughs> sevens <laughs> and eights as assertives, they're oriented towards the future. Oh, um, ones, twos and sixes are oriented towards the present, which I think makes a lot of sense. They're living presently. Three, sevens, and eights are always looking for what's next, what's happening yeah. going forward. And fours, fives, and nines are oriented towards the past. Mm-hmm. So I we're always, that. yeah, I can see that so hardcore, always looking back. There's like this, it, it seems to line up with the idea of withdrawing, that we're, we're pulling back, we're looking back, we're not, we're not moving into something. We're almost like always stepping backwards, um, taking a vantage mm-hmm. point of something. Do you relate to that, Daniel? You know, I think I have to qualify that some of the things throughout this podcast, some of the things I will have said will be just Daniel things, and some of them will be genuinely nine things. And so there there may be those distinctions. But I I think about time in a very (laughs) different way. Um, So like Everything everything that's said now, I want to say who's to say. (laughs) Um, I mean, like... Physically, technically speaking, time all exists right now. Time it's, is it's, not real. It's this fabric. It's with not space. some sort of weird thing that we're doing, everybody. It, it really isn't. It time. Re- it really, yeah, like, yeah. Time really isn't real. It's not an opinion I have. <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're experiencing a linear forward progression through time <laughs> as human beings who are bound in a single forward dimension through time. But it's it's already all there in the past and the future. And so I think. Maybe in the past, I would have been someone who identified more with like this kind of orientation towards the past in time. I think now I'm I've just kind of made my impression of time so weird for myself that I'm like it. It all just you're is. sort of blending into time. I've too. really I've really merged myself with time itself, yeah. which is maybe some numbing and some integration because it allows me to be present with what is and not like wish that things were else. <laughs> um, this is so good. All this stuff is so good. But it also can kind of be self-forgetting. So I have to kind of balance hmm. that. Those I think things. those are Daniel thoughts and nine thoughts. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, together. I think they're probably yeah. both. <laughs> um, what is your orientation towards time? Oh, for sure, towards the past. Yeah. I'm nostalgic about something that happened literally last week. Yeah. That's kind of my <laughs> my way of being. Um, but I think it also, like, your orientation to time refers to, like, how you see yourself. So, like, when you're thinking of yourself you tell stories of yourself in the past. Mm -hmm. Like that's Mm -hmm. how I see Uh, myself as where someone like a three, for example, will see themselves as what they are to become and, and and think in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do think like a six would see themselves as to where they are now. Um, I don't know. This is, this is like a new, a new, uh, facet of the Enneagram I'm starting to look into. Time in the Enneagram. Time Ooh. in the Enneagram. Time moves I, both ways. We all yeah. know this. <laughs> I, I think um, I think I can get into sort of the, I guess I guess out of the three of us, oh, I mean, this would be a whole other thing we're not talking about, but dang. If dang. we had another chance. A Patreon episode. Uh, 
we all represent different parts of the. We represent body, mind, and head. Uh, and oh oh gosh. Yeah. yeah, truth. And uh, I think the 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 to be in the mind triad seems to imply that you're in the fear triad or mm-hmm. fear stance. So I think to a certain extent, I definitely relate to living in the past, and yet I definitely have big worries about, about the, future. the future. I hmm. worry. I worry a lot. Yeah. And and being in the body, that kind of gives some context to my kind of present groundedness. It's like I'm I'm just a body being what I am right now. There's nothing. I, I, I'm just a body. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a body. Well, maybe just something to ponder. Where yes. are you oriented? Certainly. <laughs> yeah, big things. Um, should we get to the emergence? I think I think we're winding it down. I think we're winding it down. We need to say thank you to our friend Daniel. Oh, big thank yous. We we like to a close really with a great prepared nine today. <laughs> uh, really brought prepared. and if you're ever on our podcast, you don't need to be prepared. Just bring yourself. I think Daniel's mostly just prepared because well, no, it's his life. Yeah, no, the, I'm v- like yeah, he my came with life. His journal. He came with some drawings. He came with a reading. I came with some stuff, you know. But but like <laughs> like this is my life is introspecting and like understanding how I am. Yeah. Um, well, we didn't really get into self pres nine. We kind of want to do a little bit, but oh, Daniel maybe I'll read your stacking after this. Yeah. We're gonna do that offline. Every yeah, day, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> We're, we're the, the party's going to keep going. This is our version of a the withdrawn <laughs> stance t- version of a party. Candles lit. The books are out. <laughs> Honestly, like, like this is my ideal. Me <laughs> too. Me too. Friends. The whole time I've been like, especially when Reuven was reading his poem, I was just like, this is me living my best life. Yeah, I, I, I thought soak that this thought. Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is great. Okay, here comes the emergence of essence. You know what? I've already thought of a song to play at the end. Everybody, just so you know, um, we started a new thing. Uh, we we don't have a song from Sleeping at Last yet for the nine. No, nope. we were all really excited about this because the the writer and singer of Sleeping at Last, Josh Ryan O'Neill, Ryan O'Neill, is a nine. So when he comes out with that freaking song, we're going to be pumped. we're all going to pop good. off. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, going to be so good. It's going to upset my water bowl in all the best. Yeah, ways. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be shattered, <laughs> shattered water bowl. <laughs> Oh, I hope that there's a water metaphor. Metaf- metaphor. Oh, <laughs> well, now a murderer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the emergence of essence. This is from the Wisdom of Enneagram. Of the Enneagram, we tend to end our episodes. What with page this. is this? This is page three hundred thirty-nine of Wisdom of Enneagram. If you're reading along with us, maybe you will. Um, the emergence of essence. This is, we're reading this kind of as a benediction slash blessing. And at the end, we'll be done. This is the end, everybody. Okay. Nines remember the essential quality of wholeness and completion. They remember the interconnectedness of all things, that nothing in the universe exists separate from anything else. This knowledge brings great inner peace. And the nine's purpose in life, from an essential point of view, is to be a living reminder of the spiritual nature of reality. And consequently, of the underlying unity of our true nature. Liberated nines are fully present to you and conscious of the wholeness and unity of existence while simultaneously retaining a sense of self. Less healthy nines have a capacity to perceive some of the boundless qualities of reality, but tend to get lost in or merge with their surroundings. Liberated nines, however, do not forget themselves in these states or lose themselves in idealistic fantasies. 
They see how good and evil are mixed together. God sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. They accept the paradoxical union of opposites, that pleasure and pain, sadness and joy, union and loss, good and evil, life and death, clarity and mystery, health and illness, virtue and weakness, wisdom and foolishness, peace and anxiety are all inextricably linked. Another essential quality of the nine is what Oscar Icazo called holy love, although this must be understood rightly. The essential love to which we are referring is a dynamic quality of being that flows, transforms, and breaks down all barriers before it. It overcomes feelings of separateness and isolation within ego boundaries, issues that plague the instinctive triad. This is why real love is frightening. It entails the dissolution of boundaries and the death of the ego. Yet as we learn to surrender to the action of holy love, we reconnect with the ocean of being and realize that at our core, we are this love. We are this endless, dynamic, transforming presence of loving awareness, and it has always been so. One, two. Chasing after us, hey, chasing after us. 